Support for Che Explained comes from FX's The Veil, starring Elizabeth Moss. If you like spy thrillers or indeed Elizabeth Moss, then you might want to check out FX's The Veil. It's an international spy thriller that follows two women as they play a deadly game of truth and lies on the road from Istanbul to Paris and London. Oh, I'll go. One woman has a secret, same here, and the other has a mission to reveal it before thousands of lives are lost. FX's The Veil, now streaming only on Hulu. Support for this show comes from Slack. You're a growing business and you can't afford to slow down. If anything, you could probably use a few more hours in the day. That's why the most successful growing businesses are working together in Slack. Slack is where work happens, with all your people, data, and information in one AI-powered place. Start a call instantly in huddles and ditch cumbersome calendar invites. Or build an automation with Workflow Builder to take routine tasks off your plate. No coding required. Grow your business in Slack. Visit slack.com to get started. You know, every now and then when you look at your phone or you turn on the news or you listen to the radio or something and you hear that the country's been hacked and you're kind of like, oh, that's concerning. And then you're kind of like, what do I do with this information? And then you just go back to, like, boiling your spaghetti or whatever you're doing. There was one of those this past weekend that was a little harder to ignore because it was about gas. And tonight, the governors of North Carolina, Georgia, and Virginia have all declared states of emergency. Now, all of this comes after a ransomware attack targeted Colonial Pipeline and forced the company to shut down over the weekend, essentially turning off the tap for thousands of gas stations. People started panicking. Most of the gas stations by my house are completely closed. It's traffic jams, long lines. I was just shocked, you know? And that panic started driving up gas prices. But the suspension in the pipeline's operations has caused gas prices to tick up across the affected region. If this outage goes past the end of the week, prices could spike pretty dramatically. And creating shortages. There has been a line here for hours. In fact, we've been driving all throughout the area today, and the only gas stations where we have not seen lines are those pumps that are empty. But you can't really blame people for panicking. This was the biggest known ransomware attack on America's energy infrastructure, like, ever. The Colonial Pipeline is pretty huge. It's 5,500 miles and runs from Texas to New Jersey. So conveying oil and natural gas all up and down that corridor and, you know, all up the East Coast uh, and uh, delivering more, uh, about, I think, a little less than half of all of that fuel. So for the East Coast, this is the pipeline to worry about. Lily Hay Newman is a senior writer at Wired. We asked her what exactly happened this past weekend? Yeah, so this is a pretty uh, classic ransomware attack. But crucially, this targeting was of Colonial Pipeline's business networks, like the, you know, the front office or the, you know, sort of daily enterprise uh, network. You know, they weren't targeting the... Uh, industrial control systems that control the pipeline. But the concern with ransomware is that it's built to spread. 
So even in critical infrastructure where networks are very separated from each other, very segmented, and there are, you know, protections in place to keep uh, anything from spilling anywhere else, there's still concern. And you don't, what you don't want to happen is somehow for the ransomware to worm its way in to your pipeline systems, industrial control systems, and have the pipeline locked up by the malware. But the company, uh, out of an abundance of caution and you know wanting to be very careful about the security of this critical infrastructure component, uh, took down all of their networks, all of their systems to ensure that there wasn't any sort of ransomware cross-contamination or anything uh, getting out of their control. Okay, so hackers break into Colonial Pipeline's business side. They did not hack the pipeline itself, but the hack spooks Colonial enough to the point where they're like, shut the whole operation down, which leads to all this panic. The group of individuals behind the attack call themselves Darkseid. Who is Darkseid? Darkseid is a ransomware for hire service. Uh, and unfortunately, that is pretty common because the ransomware industry, you know, quote unquote, scare quotes industry, is uh, very large, massive, you know, you it, similar to how we, we don't know that much about critical infrastructure necessarily, most of us uh, also probably don't know about, you know, the enormous amount of ransomware gangs that have, you know, are not only causing a lot of attacks, but also have really professionalized and dark side the group that hit the Colonial Pipeline is a great example of an organization that leases out their ransomware provides sort of consulting services to clients who want to run their own uh, ransomware attacks. Uh, they, you know, provide development on the on the malware, but also uh, they have like uh, helplines, hotlines. What? Uh, yeah, they're they're very <laughs> organized. Hello, this is Darkside. Who would you like to hack today? They're running like a temp firm for Hacking America. Providing for all their clients' needs. You know, in this case with the Colonial Pipeline and and in general with uh, ransomware for hire groups, the, the question becomes who exactly ordered the attack and, you know, who chose the target? Because it gets kind of murky since maybe it was Darkseid itself, maybe it was one of the clients. And it's hard to know in, in this situation uh, who exactly was behind the attack. But Darkseid is, they're an interesting group. They have shown that they're very concerned about their public image. They seem to essentially have a PR department that releases statements about their corporate culture and what they what targets they will and won't hit. And they have, wow. the, you know, they're trying to sort of convey that they have uh, morals and standards. They said early on uh, when they emerged in August 2020 that they won't hit hospitals, universities. Uh, and with the Colonial Pipeline incident, they're now sort of trying, seemingly trying to imply with uh, a public statement that 
you know, this it wasn't really them. It was like a rogue actor. They made a comment about we're going to take additional precautions to ensure that our clientele doesn't do this type of targeting. And it's probably because they're really trying to, in all of this, manage their image and keep a low profile, even as they're demanding massive ransoms, because they don't want to call too much attention to themselves. And it seems like now they're concerned that they have because of this incident. Like this is bad publicity for this very illegal thing that they had a part in? Yeah, come on. Aren't aren't you keeping your illegal massive global crime syndicate on the down low? <laughs> I wish. I'm just here making a podcast in a closet, you know? <laughs> <laughs> they also had this idea to even try to give to charities. Uh, so they tried to give a little more than 0.8 Bitcoin, I believe. So less than one Bitcoin to Children International and the Water Project, and then posted like tax receipts, you know, so you can deduct your your charitable giving. What? I'm so confused. This is a ransomware firm that goes after our infrastructure for money, which is a crime, and they're donating money to charities? Yeah, like I, I just want to be super clear. This is all a crime. Like, none of this is okay. Nothing, they, no amount of donating or choosing your targets carefully or only choosing targets who can afford to pay makes any of this okay. Uh, very, very fascinating uh, public image management from them. Do we know what kind of clientele Darkseid has? Or are they like, you know, contracting out temps to North Korea, to Russia, to Iran? Or is this more like an underground situation? Yeah, so certainly not anyone can approach Darkseid. You know, we probably can't call now and, you know, pay to launch a ransomware attack. Hi, yeah, I'm calling because my ex moved to Australia to work remotely. And I don't know, do you think we could shut down the internet in Australia for a week? How much would that cost? Seemingly, the vast majority of their clients or possibly all of their clients are uh, financially motivated criminal actors. Excuse me. I'd like to start by saying a few words about the ransomware cyber attack currently impacting Colonial Pipeline. And the federal government seems particularly concerned here because of the implications on our energy infrastructure, on, like, gas prices. The agencies uh, across the government have acted quickly quickly to mitigate any impact on our our fuel supply. Beginning on Tuesday, uh, I definitely started to see indications that long lines at the pump and uh, price increases seem to be related to this incident. But obviously, you know, especially in terms of prices, some trends began before this attack even happened. You know, I I don't want to sort of over-index so soon, but certainly the both state governments and the federal government uh, is taking a lot of steps, including issuing emergency orders about how you can transport fuel, you know, allowing more trucking and, you know, uh, vehicles to move fuel, things like that. Right. The latest... I've heard is that Colonial will 
announced plans to reopen the pipeline today, Wednesday. What happens in the meantime while people are dealing with these shortages and, you know, panic buying gas? Uh, We just really go to a lot more reliance on using vehicles to move fuel. I think typically uh, there's, you know, very specific limits on how many vehicles can be moving what volume of, you know, oil at a given time, you know, trying to reduce the possibility of, uh, you know, crashes or other dangerous uh, situations. And uh, in still a controlled and supervised way, uh, the federal government is saying, okay, we got to go to our contingencies and, you know, carefully uh, increase the number of trucks that are moving fuel to to fill stations. Okay, so I'm, what I'm getting from you, Lily, is this was sort of like a par for the course ransomware hack that happened over the weekend that has now blown up unintentionally so big that it has disrupted the entire natural gas, oil, fuel infrastructure of this country and could have just dramatic implications for prices, for safety, for people heating their homes, cooking, who knows? Yeah, correct. And I I think what's a bit sad about the situation to me is that while this is a catastrophic situation that has every right to be the turning point, it's sad to me that we've actually had a lot of really dramatic, impactful, destructive, uh, you know, criminal ransomware attacks that somehow were not that turning point. Hackers are targeting hospitals and healthcare providers in what cybersecurity experts believe to be a massive attack. And this is in the middle of a pandemic, days before the election. Certainly these attacks could not come at a worse time. All of these hospital attacks, including the rash of attacks in October 2020, amidst the pandemic, you know, it's the middle of a pandemic. On top of that, healthcare workers and patients are now having to deal with, you know, their hospital or their healthcare provider going to backup paper systems, delaying surgeries, all sorts of stuff because of just criminal, you know, profit-seeking uh, ransomware attacks. And though that those I don't want to say no one took notice of those incidents or they were completely ignored, but even that ended up not really feeling like the turning point. It just felt like more of the same. And so it's not to diminish the colonial pipeline attack. It's just disheartening that it took so long to get to this point. Of, and we don't even know. We have to see if the urgency really takes hold and this truly becomes uh, a top priority after this incident. We didn't know if those would. They didn't. We don't know if this will, but it certainly seems to be affecting more people and upsetting more people, so it might. Right. And people really don't like paying more for gas, so maybe maybe that's the ticket. quick break and then we'll hear from a guy whose job it is to protect companies from all these kinds of ransomware attacks. (laughs) 
Support for Che Explained comes from FX's The Veil, starring Elizabeth Moss. If you like spy thrillers or indeed Elizabeth Moss, then you might want to check out FX's The Veil. It's an international spy thriller that follows two women as they play a deadly game of truth and lies on the road from Istanbul to Paris and London. Oh, I'll go. One woman has a secret, same here, and the other has a mission to reveal it before thousands of lives are lost. FX's The Veil, now streaming only on Hulu. Support for this show comes from Slack. You're a growing business and you can't afford to slow down. If anything, you could probably use a few more hours in the day. That's why the most successful growing businesses are working together in Slack. Slack is where work happens, with all your people, data, and information in one AI-powered place. Start a call instantly in huddles and ditch cumbersome calendar invites. Or build an automation with Workflow Builder to take routine tasks off your plate, no coding required. Grow your business in Slack. Visit slack.com to get started. All right, so apparently you can unintentionally disrupt the entire country's fuel infrastructure in 2021. Good to know. But that set us on a journey. We wanted to know why. Why are we so bad at doing something about this? So we reached out to Robert M. Lee. He's the CEO and co-founder of Dragos. We get called into these types of attacks when they happen on the operational side. At what point, Rob, did ransomware attacks get so established that an outfit like Darkseid could have a hotline and a bunch of contractors and a public-facing PR operation? To be fair, this has been for years now that these groups have operated like businesses. Uh, What we've seen recently, though, is in the last couple of years, there's been so many remote vulnerabilities, so vulnerabilities that take advantage of how you log into work and how you get access from a remote home location. Um, Those vulnerabilities coming out, which allows these criminals more access than ever into targeting these companies. Hmm. And we've covered this issue before on the show when, you know, this was a huge problem in Baltimore. Baltimore city leaders voted Wednesday to use $6 million in park funding to help pay for a ransomware attack that infected local government computers last May. Lily told us about how problematic ransomware attacks have been in the past year during this pandemic, especially attacks on hospitals. But how typical are the kinds of attacks that we're seeing this week with this colonial pipeline? Yeah, it's not typical for an IT or this corporate network uh, compromised impact operations. It can happen, but that's not super common. However, there's a lot of these cases that happen and they're way more common than people realize on the operation side. Like we, we get called in all the time to when folks are are experiencing ransomware attacks and others on their production environments. Um, it's just generally not reported and it usually doesn't have the type of impact that we saw. I mean, I imagine it's a pretty profitable business to be executing these ransomware attacks, especially ones as big as the one we saw this week on the Colonial Pipeline. How profitable a business is it to try and protect companies from these kinds of attacks? <laughs> yeah, not not as profitable. If you want to make money, the criminal, criminal route is probably better, but you, you can't sleep well at night with that. So uh, each of these ransomware groups, when they target these companies, it's a multi-million dollar ransom which may not sound huge. I mean, it obviously scales up the size of the companies, um, but that, that's very impactful. And when they're running you know, dozens of these at a time, it's an extremely profitable business for these gangs. 
And can you and your team actually protect these companies from these kinds of attacks? There's so many companies that go to battle with these adversaries every day and you never hear about them and they never make the news because they're winning and they're doing really well. And, and what we see time and time again is a lot of the security work put in these companies is, is preventative. It's how do we prevent attacks? How do we prevent issues? How do we put up our guard? But if you don't actually have visibility of what's happening inside the house and you can't detect and you can't respond, that's when people get in trouble. And on the operations side of the house, these operation technology environments, uh, it's historically just been preventative. So people are waking up to the fact that we need to do more on that side of the house and uh, make sure that we can be more proactive against these threats. A lot of these companies don't do the things that they could or should. Now, I'm not saying that in context of Colonial. A lot of the things that they're doing right now seem really good. But when you talk about various city and municipal infrastructure, they are definitely lagging in the investments that happen to other companies. And if you look at the industrial sector at large, they historically significantly lag financial sector and others who are doing a lot more in security. So I don't think it's an issue of do we not know how to do it? It's usually an issue of are we investing in the problem? And who's the we? Is it is the United States government? Is it these businesses? Who is it? I put that in the context of the businesses. I think it's very fair that everyone always goes, what is the government doing about this? What can the government do more, et cetera? But, you know, the government's got their own problems. Uh, the OPM breach. More than 21 million Americans had personal information stolen from government files in a data breach that was six times as large as originally disclosed. The solar winds breach. The reverberations continue about this large-scale computer hacking operation that infiltrated the networks of several government agencies and thousands of private companies. It's like we're constantly hearing about federal government networks getting compromised and they've got a lot of mission space to do. So they don't need to be trying to fix everybody else's problem. They need to fix theirs and then share the insights of how they did it and, and share those lessons learned and, and encourage the private sector to do the right things. Hmm. I mean, is there also a sort of prosecution side of this that isn't happening? I mean, when we talk about a company like Darkside that seems to be operating on such a sort of like corporate level. They've got a hotline. They've got a PR agency. They're donated charities. Like it it starts to make you wonder if they're being policed at the level they should be when they're executing these kinds of attacks we saw this week. They're not being policed at all. So when you look at criminal prosecution rates and what's actually happened in this space, uh, if DOJ, Department of Justice, FBI, whoever says something, these companies are still operating out of Russia, Eastern Europe, Brazil, Iran, North Korea, places that are not all too excited to go and do the bidding of U.S. or Canadian law enforcement uh, and lock these companies and these people up. Also, a lot of times these foreign military intelligence services sometimes have a symbiotic relationship with these criminal groups where they're learning from them, they're getting capabilities from them, they're using some of their people. So there's not a big advantage to them to do anything to them, which means they operate with complete, uh, you know, sort of novelty. I mean, when you bring up Russia, North Korea, Iran, less so Brazil, of course, I, I start to wonder where is the line between the solar winds attacks and the colonial pipeline attacks? How do we differentiate the two if some of these hackers are based in Russia or North Korea? Yeah, it, it can be difficult for sure. But where the U.S. government has taken a position before is if it can really identify that it was state directed, if the uh, Kremlin, as an example, directed the operation, whether or not it was Russian military or Russian civilians, that if it was directed by the Russian government, there's culpability and responsibility of the Russian government. You see sanctions, you see actions as it, and there's consequences, not 
doesn't fix it, but there are some consequences. But when you really can't make that connection, like here with Darkseid, they could have a connection to the Russian government, but we just don't know. Then there's not a whole lot you can do besides hoping that Russian or Eastern European police happen to take action. Hmm. Rob, I understand that you used to be in the NSA. Is that right? Correct. Are we allowed to talk about that? Yeah, sure. I mean, the United States hacks all these other countries too, right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> cool. I'm, I'm glad you're as forthcoming as you are. Uh, <laughs> I mean, that makes me wonder, is part of the reason we don't police this at all, according to you, that we also apparently, as a country, enjoy hacking all of these other countries and we don't want to be saying you shouldn't be doing that because we're doing it? Well, it's even worse. <laughs> we say you shouldn't be doing it. And then the other countries go, well, hold on now. You know, like you're being a little hypocritical here. Um, and so I don't think internationally we have too many legs to stand on that topic. And we'll say, hey, now we play by certain rules. Uh, we don't steal intellectual property and pass it to our private sector companies like China does. We don't do criminal hacking and let them run amok like Russia does. But at the same time, Russia and China will come back and be like, well, we don't do certain things that you do. And it's just this back and forth of different perspectives. And ultimately, policy is mired by things that aren't technical in reality, like they're not grounded in technical realities. And, and they uh, they often confuse the, the technical with the policy. And then it's just communication between states. So I don't mean to dodge it at all. I'll just say uh, we look hypocritical. We act hypocritical. But a lot of times we do the right things, but it's, you know, sort of our worldview uh, in terms of what is and isn't right. Are these just going to keep escalating until something very, very bad happens? Yeah, we're a lot closer than people think. Um, but at the same time, things aren't as scary as people like to make them out to be. This isn't Die Hard 4 and our entire country's going down with a fire sale. It's a fire sale. Hey. We don't know that yet. But at the same time, in 2017, a state actor broke into a petrochemical facility in Saudi Arabia and tried to kill people through a cyber attack. They came really close to killing people there from a cyber attack. That's insane. Our industries are becoming more connected than ever. Our operations environments are becoming cloud connected. And we have specific focused adversaries on targeting these industrial companies. We track today 15 different state actors trying to compromise these different companies. So to sit back and look without trying to freak anybody out, you have to appreciate that it's getting worse and we can do security. We, defense is doable, but we better get on it. Robert M. Lee used to be in the NSA. Now he runs Dragos. They do cybersecurity. I'm Sean Ramos for him. This is Today Explained. Consider changing your password. 